maybe let me give you an example. So imagine that you have um, these interlocker structures and you have um, um, four hard magnetic structures interlock with uh, some polymeric chassis which carries a drag and travels from point A to point B. Uh, and at point B, you are able to destroy this uh, or, or separate, not destroy, to separate the hard part from the soft part. The hard part goes away with the magnetic field or because you program it this way in the, and that soft part um, melts with or dissolves with or uh, adapts because it's uh, soft with the tissue. That would be a that would be a way of uh, using uh, uh, the hard part for motion because the hard part would be a metal that is magnetic, and the soft part to uh, to be delivered to the tissue for the let's say delivering a drug or um, doing other other type of um, biomedical task. That would be a, an optimal combination of hard and soft. But also in catheters, right? There is this vari variable stiffness catheters that uh, Brad uh, Nelson is working with. Composing is also building a structure, right? Um, um, I usually compose music for songs and poet poems, and poems have a specific structure and rhythm. And uh, when you are building uh, the, the harmony for this, uh, the harmony and the rhythm for this music, you must respect um, the text a lot, right? And I would believe that working in micro nano robots is a bit similar because you need to build a micro nano robot with. In this podcast, I'm sharing my passion and curiosity for soft robotics, where we share inspiring stories about the work we do and how we can push the limit. I am Mara Dweeney and this is Soft Robotics Podcast. Support for this show comes from Science Robotics Journal. I really find Science Robotics to be a great resource for reliable and tangible research where we can really push the limit of the science we do in robotics. Great way to stay up to date with the published article is checking out the released monthly issue. All the links will be included in each episode description. We will also happen to have a regular conversation on the most published science robotic articles, where also you can contribute with your question and thoughts about the research. Thanks Science Robotics for sponsoring Soft Robotics Podcast. So maybe I would like to ask you first how I would like uh, to define yourself for people maybe first time listening to you. How would you like to define yourself? Sure, I'm, um, I'm a chemist um, uh, that works in small-scale robotics and my role is to develop uh, the materials and the fabrication processes that will enable the realization of these uh, micro-nanorobotic structures. So, for instance, we work in uh, magnetic micro-robots and my role is to find the optimal, optimal magnetic materials and the fabrication processes that uh, will allow to build these devices and, and um, um, design them in a way that will be, will be able to move them in complex fluid environments like inside the body. And, uh, of course, this is um, a very challenging work because 
you are all you are not only looking at uh, optimal performance in terms of magnetism, for instance, but also you are looking for materials that uh, can be implanted inside the body. So there is a lot of aspects in this area that have to be considered, especially if if we work in biomedical applications, like um, um, biocompatibility, cytotoxicity, how much. Uh, therapeutic cargo I can load on these micro nanorobots and um, yeah basically this is how I could define you a material a chemist that works in materials for small scale robots for biomedical applications mainly great maybe I want to ask you when you look at the soft robotics field what are main challenges so far you you work in the perspective of material for medical application here but if you can just see the field overall, what are many challenges so far in soft robotics? So, um, first of all, when you implant a, um, a foreign body in, 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 the, in, in a um, um, biological environment, what you want is that this uh, material is um, has some features that are, are uh, as close as possible uh, to the to the environment where uh, this device has to uh, uh, operate, right? So, for instance, um, um, tissues usually tissues are soft, and they have certain mechanical properties. So, when you are implanting a body that would have similar um, mechanical properties, the stiffness and so on, it would be much better, right? Um, it could adapt better into to the environment for a specific for certain applications, right? So. This is challenging because, uh, for instance, when you work with magnetic materials, most of magnetic materials are metals, alloys, or ceramics. But you can create composites with polymers and make uh, these uh, magnetic micro nanorobots more soft. And why why is, uh, having softness is important? Because um, usually soft materials allow you to adapt. They can they have flexibility. So if if um, Let's say a micro nano robot has to go through the vasculature and has to go uh, to um, a narrow, uh, let's say, a vein or artery. It it could uh, change its uh, shape or it could shrink to be able to um, to be able to go through those channels. So these are very impo- important uh, aspects. Also, most of soft materials um, are they have a chemical. Um, um, structure, let's say, that allow for hosting other other uh, substances, like for instance drugs. So many people use, for instance, hydrogels, which are soft materials, and these um, hydrogels can host a lot of water, and inside this water you can host some therapeutic agents. So I think having uh, the soft feature in micro nanorobots is uh, very important in this field. Maybe I want to ask you in this case about the material and the shape. And you mentioned how you maintain softness and you're adding magnetic material inside the material. If there is something like a trade-off in the design that if you add too much, you lose something, as you mentioned, hydrogel case. So how do you blame the design space between the material and the shape and adding feature like magnetic particles and still maintain softness? Uh, this is a very complex uh, problem. Uh, because usually uh, you want um, you want uh, to have as much as possible magnetic material to exert sufficient forces or torques to that material, but then of course uh, you compromise, of course, the stiffness. So I think that this has to be done uh, when evaluating the specific application you are going to um, target. Right? 
if you are um, um, if you're gonna if you're gonna have um, an application in which um, your micro nano robot is not so far from the uh, skin, let's say. Uh, you could com you could uh, have uh, less magnetic material because you could approach you could you could have magnetic fields much closer. On the other hand, if you have a magnetic micro robot that has to be uh, very inside de deep in the uh, deep in the body, then you need to have much more magnetic material, and this is is this complex. So there is always these challenges challenges and and and, and trade offs that but they are. You usually um, try to solve them when you have the specific application, uh, specific disease that you want to target, right? Um, that's that's how I how we approach uh, the challenges and the, the obstacles. Maybe I'll ask you about the design. How you ensure the design first step to actuate this magnetic part with external actuation here or stimulus, and also how you think about sensing to make sure whatever the machine here, a small particle doing its job. So in the design space, what's the first thing in the design which is more significant is very important when you work in that problem, using magnetic particle for soft materials here. Yeah, it's very important um, because um, depending on the design, you can apply uh, lower or higher magnetic fields, oscillating or gradients. For instance, we know that uh, by having uh, structures that can corkscrew like these helical micro-robots, we don't need to apply high-magnitude magnetic fields because with lower-magnitude magnetic fields and at uh, several hertz, we can, we can enable um, translation of these devices. In the body, of course, you have other um, problems, right? You cannot put one of these devices against the flow it will be very difficult then um, to, to to swim against the flow but there are other strategies you can stop the flow for a while with a balloon catheter and have for for a very few uh, uh, seconds the uh, the, the f uh, blood flow stop and make the device run to the target so there are several ways of of overcoming overcoming the challenges and of course deciding which is the best design other other strategies are trying to move the structures close to the walls because we know that um, close to the walls we can uh, apply um, uh, rolling motion and we can overcome also the what it's called the scallop theorem. We can talk later about it, but we can we can roll on the surface and actually this is a strategy, a strategy that is used by, by cells like neutro neutrophiles. Neutrophiles are able to roll on the surface of the vasculature mm -hmm. against or with the flow um, um, to move through the basque, through, to move through our through our body. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Maybe uh, you know, it comes to inspiration how we design. If there's inspiration from nature when you see that next wall and rolling behavior. So there's something here. Yeah. There is a lot of inspiration from nature. For instance, um, the helical micro robots are inspired uh, by um, the motion of uh, bacteria that have helical flagella. And actually, this is for what our multi-scale robotics lab is famous for, for, the, for mimicking the motion of, um, of bacteria. That's why we call our micro, helical micro-nanorobots -nano artificial bacterial flagella. Um, another inspiration is taken from neutrophiles, as I said, rolling motion on, uh, on surfaces. Or, for instance, we in, in our lab, we actually uh, uh, mimic 
the motion of eukaryotic type cells like a sperm. So a sperm to be able to move in, uh, in fluids, what they do is beating their, their uh, flagella like a, an ore. So you have a propagating wave. And we also design uh, a structure that mimics actually this, this uh, type of motion. Maybe I'll ask you, how do you view physical intelligence? I think it's very trendy in soft robotics, but from your experience, how you define physical intelligence and what could be form here that you call that physical intelligence because sometimes it's debatable. Uh, physical intelligence, uh, I would define it as a feature of a material to be able to respond um, to a stimulus, stimulus or several stimuli uh, in the way we want uh, this material to um, to react. Uh, so, for let me put you an example uh, because I think magnetic fields and magnetic materials can offer this uh, physical intelligence. You can have, let's say, a magnetic material um, and with uh, just a static magnetic field or, or a gradient, you can steer this material, right? You can put this material, for instance, with the flow of, uh, of, of the blood through the vein and it will, if you use the magnetic field as the steering wheel, you can, you can um, guide the magnetic structure through the vasculature. But... We can also have uh, active motion, right? So if we if we have a proper design, for instance, a helix, you can have corkscrew motion. Or if you have um, a cylinder, you can make the cylinder roll on on or tumble or process depending on the magnetic field frequency. But not only this, there are magnetic materials that uh, you can make them um, change their dimensions. There are magnetoelastic and magnetostrictive materials, so they would deform or change their dimensions. And uh, there are other materials, for example, that um, that heat when applying magnetic fields, and you can use this heat for um, um, hyperthermia and tissue ablation. And finally, you could even, with a suitable selection of materials, uh, you can even make these magnetic materials to deliver electric fields for electrostimulation of cells. So what I'm saying is that Dep selecting a proper design and, the and, and having um, a proper choose of material or materials inside a micro-robot and changing the conditions in which you apply the magnetic field, frequency, rotating magnetic field, um, uh, gradient, whatever, you can have all this buffet of, of tasks. And for me, this is what I call, what I would define or what I would think, what would embrace, let's say, physical intelligence. So you have an, a stimuli that you can vary and make this material to perform several functions or tasks. Mm -hmm. Great, that's a good point. Maybe I want to ask you, when you mentioned that selection, that material structure, the different possibilities, but when you look to the design, once time, I don't know if you have something, was counterintuitive or not that's in your mind, because sometimes when you do experiment and design, you design, sometimes we missed this point. We didn't know that's very crucial. I don't know if you have this kind of experience that later you figure out this was not expected or counterintuitive. Well, in materials you find, in, in processes and manufacturing, um, you have this uh, issue many times, right? Uh, indeed, we recently we were trying to shape uh, material in... in um, in uh, templates 
and we discover um, that this material, when it's shaped in confined spaces, becomes uh, insoluble. I cannot reveal the material because we are <laughs> working on the paper now, but um, and this becomes very interesting, right? Because uh, when this material um, becomes insoluble, then you can think of other other applications, right? And then we discover that we take the same material, we shape it in the same mold, the same way, but then we put particles inside, and because you destroy this internal structuring inside the confined space, it becomes soluble. Then um, you think, oh, you can tune this response, so you can make a material more degradable or less degradable by playing with particles or uh, how you mold it in a, in a template. So, and this becomes uh, really interesting. And it was known that this material um, becomes insoluble when you have, uh, when you mold it in confined spaces, but we didn't expect, we didn't know, right? So this, this what you say is, is a very, um, is a very typical um, issue in micro nanofabrication and materials. And, for micro and nano robotics, even even more, because sometimes we think that the problem is trivial to fabricate. Uh, so let's say, oh, let's fabricate a tube for for the eye, right? Um, and then you uh, you think that fabricating a tube uh, it's uh, gonna be very easy. You take your your tools, and then you realize that there's a lot of know-how behind if you want this material to grow properly and be. Um, um, and, and to have a neat uh, fabrication sequence. Mm -hmm. Maybe I want to ask you again about the biocompatibility. Uh, you mentioned one of the goals to have a biocompatible machine, intelligent machine. When you try to look the material, if the material is not biocompatible, how do you see, because there are certain approaches that let's go for the material and maybe later on we can exchange biocompatibility because we are not sure. I don't know if you get what I mean. Yes, yes. So... It depends on what you want to study or investigate. Um, if you want to investigate fundamentals of motion, um, fundamentals of uh, um, the physics or, or the fluid dynamics behind a, a specific design of a micro-robot, perhaps you don't care so much that your robot is made of nickel, right? But I think that if you really want to go for biomedical applications... Uh, we really need to make efforts uh, in the sense that all the processes and materials that are involved do not bring or do not um, imply the use of um, uh, toxic substances. And uh, in magnetic materials, we don't have so many options. I either you use iron-based materials or there is nothing else in the periodic table. You only have cobalt and nickel. And also, uh, in soft materials, many people is using um, 3D printing and, and, and using light, for instance. To be able to shape these materials, these soft materials with light, you, you need acrylic groups. Acrylic groups are not liked by cells. Cells don't like them. So you need to find strategies to avoid these chemical moieties in soft materials to avoid... Um, possible cytotoxic effects later when this material is in the body and degrades. Mm -hmm. That's a very good point. I will come back again for 3D printing because I think also we do 4D printing in the lab. So, But maybe before that, uh, I want to ask you if there's something also you think should be focused in the field of soft robotics or maybe you hold the controversy. This You don't think 
this is not the right way. You disagree or you have different opinions about certain approaches when it comes to what you do, or maybe if something you think, well, I don't agree with that. I think that is not the right way or a different view or disagreement. Yeah. Well, one thing that I don't really like is some people, um, so the, this is what we call the community of micro nano swimmers. It's not only soft robotics, but perhaps it's, it's um, uh, soft matter because colloids are also considered uh, um, soft matter. But there is something that I really, really insist that, so there is these people that use um, other sources of um, for motion, like chemical reactions, like this catalytically propel um, um, uh, swimmers, right? And they call them robots, and this is something that is wrong. They are not robots. Robots, a robot is a, a device that follows the robotic laws. That there is a system that controls them. That you can stop their motion when, when you want. That you can control their trajectory all the time. That uh, this device can follow some uh, trajectory, following some path planning algorithms. But there is people that uh, misuse the word robot for anything, micro and nanorobot for anything at the micro nano scale that moves. But if you call a micro nanorobot a chemically propelled device, then then a leaf flying with the wind is also a robot, right? And this is something I I am I'm a bit um, I don't I disagree, right? Calling some certain types of swimmers robots. But apart from that, I think the community of, of soft robotics in the field of uh, micro and nano robotics, I think um, there are many interesting things that are happening, um, not only on devices that can be implanted of the, in the body, but also with, with tools like micro grippers and with origami um, uh, like structures and, and and I think the, uh, we have seen actually that that after several years or, or uh, of controlling how matter should grow and how should be shaped, there is uh, this um, amazing uh, world uh, of micro nano robotics that benefits and and drinks from all the um, materials and, and chemistry development developments of the last two decades. Maybe I want to go again for the three D printing because. And also 4D, when you have a stimulus, we can explain the difference here also. But I want to ask you the differences here between using traditional technique in fabrication and 3D printing, which is give us the ability to do complex shape. But yet there is a problem with how make sure you print the same conductivity in different places of the same structure. If we speak about complex structure, you print how you make sure this printing is consistent. Is it because of the material you print or because of the printing technique? Can you tell us about the challenges in 3D printing here? So there are many 3D printing techniques, right? You you have uh, 3D printing te techniques that use um, light to structure the, the material. Then there is um, um, techniques that use melting of a powder and all have different resolutions and, and attainable uh, dimensions. Uh, in micro nanorobotics, of course, you need very small structures, and we use two-photon polymerization, which uses the interaction of uh, um, light uh, uh, from a laser, and at the point of uh, uh, the, the focal point when when the two light uh, meet, like when you, let's say, the this process is like when you have a lens, mm -hmm. you have the sunlight, and you can burn 
the paper more or less. So and this you can you can get um, very beautiful micro micron size uh, uh, structures. And we use a lot this uh, technology for fabricating micro nano robots. Usually, what I do is printing the molds instead of printing the devices. I print the template and then I fill the templates with material. And one of our latest works is combining a soft chassis of polymeric chassis with interlock with um, um, metallic uh, um, parts, right? Because I benefit from the hard parts of a magnetic material. Uh, which is interlocked with the uh, soft material, which I also benefit from, right? So this was this was one of our latest um, achievements. It was a paper published in 2019 in Nature Communications. So we have a soft, soft hard mechanical interlock micro machine that uses both the the um, nice properties from soft materials and the nice properties of hard material. But do you think there's something should be? Um yeah, consider when it comes to the printing here, and generally speaking in the field, how do you view the challenges 3D printing? Because you try to combine different things here, but if we speak about 3D printing itself here. Well, in the area of uh, micro nanorobotics, um, we have this uh, technology that allows for, produ for producing batches of these devices, right? So here the question is, if we are producing robots with 3D printing, uh, for other applications, and I'm not now talking about micro nanoscale. Uh, the question is if this um, 3D printing can be uh, translated industrially. So if it's not only about printing prototypes, but printing many uh, devices, right? So uh, I think there are a lot of advances now in 3D printing, and I think we are reaching to a point in which probably 3D printing will be able to produce many of these devices in series, but I think it's also challenging. It's, it's also challenging, especially if you start combining 3D printing with other manufacturing processes and all these things. If you have to take this material and have a coating later, and there is a lot of, I believe there is a lot of challenges. And also in micro and nanorobotics, there are challenges. Uh, I believe that you, you want to... Um, if you want to make complex devices, uh, only with one technology uh, for fabrication is not enough sometimes. So you will need to, for instance, have uh, processes that um, uh, fabricate particles in batch and that you are um, in, in that this fabrication is industrial and so on. So many, many uh, challenging yet exciting um, aspects. Mm -hmm. If you can pinpoint one thing you think very important here, one thing that we can have these challenges resolve it, and we have to print many samples. If we speak about commercial, what that one thing you think should be enhanced? Do you think it's the material we develop, for example, or the printer itself? Or? Well, the printer is for sure one, right? Um, um, but also the the materials that is this printer capable of. Uh, shaping of printing, let's say. So um, it's always um, a mat. It's, it's always a matter of more than one thing, right? <laughs> yeah. So I want to ask you the combination of the soft and stiff material here. If you think about how much you combine the soft and stiff to do, to do certain tasks, 
how this is a complete multi-material if we speak four material one it's a small structure five how you ensure that this combination of the material loses task and not for example effective to its toughness to its performance do you think we have understanding of how we combine different materials with different maybe mechanical properties electrical properties it's just absolutely clear so, uh, maybe let me give you an example so imagine that you have um, these interlocker structures and you have um, um, four hard magnetic structures interlock with uh, some polymeric chassis which carries a drag and travels from point A to point B uh, and at point B you are able to destroy this uh, or, or separate not destroy to separate the hard part from the soft part the hard part goes away with the magnetic field or because you program it this way in the, and that soft part um, melts with or dissolves with or uh, adapts because it's uh, soft with the tissue that would be a that would be a way of uh, using uh, uh, the hard part for motion because the hard part would be a metal that is magnetic and the soft part to uh, to be delivered to the tissue for the let's say delivering a drug or um, doing other other type of um, biomedical task that would be a, an optimal combination of hard and soft but also in catheters right there is this vari variable stiffness catheters that uh, Brad uh, Nelson is working with, and you want them to to um, for certain for certain um, things to be hard, and and when you need to deform it, you need to transform this material into soft. So um, um, I, um, so this um, doesn't have to be a combination always. It can be a material that varies the stiffness too. Right. Yeah. Great. Maybe three question left. Can you share what's really exciting moment when you do in the research in your lab? The most exciting moment you remember? There are several. Um, sometimes is when you think that something will work. And many people tell you it's not going to work. And then it works. <laughs> so I have several examples. For instance, we, um, we were think we, when we were designing these nanowires for uh, um, mimicking the motion of a sperm and i said oh let's adopt this fabrication uh, approach that is reported here so we will have a an, um, a nanowire that has a polymer tail and then two hinges and uh, and two magnetic heads and let's apply an oscillating magnetic field and then when you see that when you apply an oscillating magnetic field and the st structure actually translates mm -hmm. you are it's you're satisfied right right it's a blast it's like great <laughs> so this is one of the moments or when um i work in a field called magnetoelectrics which is um a topic in uh, uh, um, uh, so magnetoelectrics are materials that um deliver electric fields when they are uh, subject to magnetic fields and i use them for electrostimulation of cells but also for chemical uh, reactions and it, it for me it was very it was great to see that uh, when you put these materials and you uh, apply an oscillating magnetic field, you you have you trigger chemical reactions and for instance you can clean water with it, or you can electrostimulate uh, cells like um, preneuronal uh, progenitor cells and they differentiate. 
those are also moments that you are like, wow, that it works, right? You propose it in a proposal, but it actually works. <laughs> maybe Antaski, when you think about the magnetic particle here, when you think, maybe, I don't know, you think what could be alternative if we remove the magnetics, magnets and external stimulation here? Do you have any idea that you can achieve what you achieve now, but with different stimulus here? So there are people that use these other external sources of energy, like uh, ultrasound. Actually, there is a, a, a professor, Daniel Ahmed, also at TTH, that uses acoustics for manipulation. And acoustics are also used in, and in, in hospitals for, for imaging. Um, and he also showed that with acoustics you can um, reach... Um, uh, you can also uh, um, achieve propulsion of micro nanostructures in, in in very different ways, and I think acoustics is also very promising. And you could also think about combining acoustics with magnetic fields. Actually, he actually showed a, a, a paper on this uh, recently. So acoustics would be one. Another one is light, but you know, light is uh, much more challenging because light does not penetrate so easily the body. Uh, but if you have a way of the, um, transferring light inside the body, for instance, you could think about a catheter that has a, a light source and can manipulate some structures, that could be also another another approach. But I think acoustics and magnetics are, in my opinion, and of course I want to uh, stress that this is my opinion, uh, magnetics and acoustics are one of the most uh, two of the most realistic approaches for motion of micro nano robots inside the body. Awesome. Maybe uh, I want to ask you since you mentioned you're a composer. <laughs> I didn't know, but I'm just amazed because I, I like listening to music and and I feel I feel that it's brilliant when you come with new rhythm or just um, how it's feel for you to compose this what way of thinking as well of the comp comp to be a composer and do you think this affects you when you try to be innovative and solution yeah i think that um composing is also building a structure right um, um i usually compose music for songs and poet poems and poems have a specific structure and rhythm and uh, when you are building uh, the the harmony for this, uh, the harmony and the rhythm for this music, you must respect um, the text a lot, right? And I would believe that working in micro nano robots is a bit similar because you need to build a micro nano robot with the, the materials for motion, which would be the harmony in this case, <laughs> and and all these uh, decor decorations, which are not decorations but um, the drag, the contrastations and you have also to do it in a way you respect the body let's say right so there is a lot of i think there is a lot of um, similarities in the in the way that you have to be innovative right and in music is an art so it's obvious right but in science you have to be also very imaginative too and we see many times in in art inspiration from nature right mm -hmm. so so it is in engineering that's great yeah Maybe I want to ask you if there's feature, do you, when you think about the machine in a small scale, feature, do you feel, you wish 
you can achieve certain features? Um, what I would love to see is that one of my micro nano devices are able to show a relevant um, or that can really play a key role in solving a health problem. I'm currently working with, um, as I said, with magnetoelectric materials, and I would like to see these devices electrostimulating tissues and helping to solve problems, for instance, in the cell central nervous system. This could be a spinal cord injury or glioblastoma or other or Parkinson or, or, or other diseases that affect this or optical nerve um, problems, right? So this, that would be my, my dream is to show that my devices can help mm -hmm. in curing a disease. And I will ask you maybe what makes you fulfilled and if there is advice uh, maybe given to you and with a life-changing advice stick to your mind. I mean, you shouldn't be fear. You shouldn't have fear of pursuing your ideas. You should. You should be brave. And many people. So, if 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 and and don't be afraid if if you have a difficult challenge. So if someone tells you, oh, that's gonna be too difficult. It's not gonna work. You shouldn't listen to that. You should actually try. Yeah. And actually, it's also nice to find out when it doesn't work because then you can correct or see why it doesn't work. So I think it's always worth. Yeah, that's great. I don't know if you have any final words like to say with the listening, final words. Final words? Yeah. Well, I think um, the micro nanorobotics field is a very exciting area of research. You can contribute to it from many angles. Of, uh, I contribute from the materials, but you can contribute from, uh, of course, from engineering, uh, no doubt, uh, from, um, different uh, engineering, like electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, um, from um, computer science, um, machine learning. So, and this is what I like from this topic because it gathers people from different expertise. And this is the beauty of the, of the field.